Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. And now, Dr. Matt Friedemann. So I think I've told you this already. Let me, if so, I'll just review real quick. I had a friend come up to a bunch of us in seminary. He was a hero to us. He was a guy that was a couple years ahead of us. He knew Greek, he knew Hebrew, he knew Christian history, he knew his theology. We loved this guy. He was in a circle of discipleship people, same circle we were in. It was called the Barnabas Foundation. And so we were all in this bunch of discipleship groups. We were not in the same group as him. He was in the lead group. That's one of the reasons we looked up to him. And uh, one day we're standing around and he's talking about how tough his life is, how things were falling apart, how relationally things weren't working out. I'm suffering at school right now. And he was a straight A student. So school is tough. Uh, my, 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 my parents are a little bit difficult to get along with right now. It just, it was a litany of bad things. And uh, he said, I, I'm so furious. We're thinking, why are you furious? And he says, because I went to this professor of ours, and I shared him my problems. You know the first thing he said? No, what was the first thing he said? He said, how's your quiet time? Which is to say, how's your Bible study life? How's your prayer life? And he says, and someone said, that made you mad? He said, it makes me furious. That's not my problem. My problem is not how my quiet time I do. My problems are my parents. My problems are my grades. My problems because I'm suffering. My problems because I got wrecked emotions. I forget who it was. One of us said, uh, well, dude, how is your quiet time? He said, it's terrible. He says, but that has nothing to do with my problems. Now, I say that to say this. I don't know if you ever get irritated. I don't even want to go. Maybe, it may be a man thing. I just hate going to the doctor. I'll do almost anything not to go to the doctor. One of the reasons I don't like going to the doctor is they make you fill out this sheet of stuff. And by the way, when you're done with that sheet, they'll give you another sheet. And you think, what am I doing here? Why am I? And they're taking you through a litany of things, you know? You know, do you regularly bang your head against the wall? No. You know... Have you ever had lung cancer? No. You know, do you, do you right now have diarrhea? No. You just, what am I asking? I'm okay, except for this thing right here. No, they want to know the stuff. And I get why. Listen, I'm not a counselor. Shelly's a counselor. If you got, if you got something wrong and you need to talk over something, Shelly is our woman that wants to talk with you. She does as a ministry of the church, does a great job, so, but I'm not the counselor. And the reason we have Shelly is because when you come to me with your problems, I'll probably say something stupid like, stop doing that. I mean, isn't that pretty much the answer to everything, Shelly? Stop doing that thing. Uh, or I'll say this, fill out this sheet. Now I've never done this, actually. I can imagine doing this. Fill out the sheet. How much time did you spend this morning in prayer? Minutes. How much time do you spend this morning in prayer or in Bible study? Minutes. Are you fasting? Do you regularly attend church? Are you in a small group? Do you have a compassionate ministry that you do weekly? And at that point, I can look at that and say, ah, I think I see the problem here. You don't go to church. You're not in a small group. You don't pray. You don't open up the Bible. You don't fast. Think fast? 
Listen, Jesus talks about four disciplines in chapter 6 of the Sermon on the Mount. The most famous thing he ever said was the Sermon on the Mount. And he talked about four disciplines. And some of us are saying, well, I get giving, prayer, yeah. Simple living, yeah, well, okay. I'm going to think I agree with Matt that that's the fourth discipline. But I get it. But fasting? No, I, I don't think so. Apparently, Jesus thought that was pretty important to say. And he didn't say it as an optional extra. This is a negotiable thing. He said, do this thing. And so we're going to talk about it today. And I will say, appetites are huge. We all are hungry for something, right? Everybody gets hungry for something. Some of us are hungry for this or hungry for that. I remember I went to the University of Kansas to throw the discus um, and I was there and and I was so excited because my freshman year, I heard that they had something called the training table. (laughs) I don't know what the training table sounds like to you, but it sounds like lots of food to me, all right? And that's exactly what it is. And by the way, we're talking about, we're talking about steaks every day. We're talking about meat and potatoes and eggs. So I went in there and I started eating. Listen, a lot of guys I knew were taking anabolic steroids at the time. I was not going to take drugs. They were against the rules. Uh, Somebody said, well, they're bad for you too. I said, I don't care if they're bad for me. I didn't care if it destroyed my liver. I didn't care if it made me sterile. I didn't care about any of those things. They were just against the rules, so I can't do them. Isn't that crazy? Anyway, so they're against the rules, so so I got to get every advantage I can. So what I did was eat red meat every single meal of my time in college. I uh, ate... 12, at least 12 eggs a day. I drank a gallon of milk every day. I mean, I just was ingesting stuff. I wasn't that interested in vegetables, by the way. If they were green beans, forget about that. I can't imagine that helping me on anything. So, I mean, I'm, I'm eating. We get to the end, and they're doing some uh, studies on athletes and trying to figure out what causes elite performance. And for some reason, they asked me to participate in the study. So they do a muscle biopsy test, and they do a water weight test, and they'll be a VO2 test, and all kinds of tests. There were about 15 things they did to us. At the end of that, they got together with us and said, okay, this is what your tests say. And what I want to know is, how far could I potentially throw this dumb thing called the discus? And that's not what they had in mind. Get in that meeting, you know what he says? Good news and bad news. So, oh, hmm. What's, uh, what's the good news? He says, you're still alive. <laughs> Man, I'm not so sure I wanted to hear the bad news at that point. I said, all right, well, the bad news? He says, you won't be in your early adulthood if you don't change what you're eating. Whoa. So we all got appetites, and we all got them for different reasons. Some of us could say, this is why I have an appetite, because I grew up this way. <laughs> I don't know why this all of a sudden comes to my, my mind, but I remember me and my little brother Todd, I call him Toddy, I call him Toddy. I'm the only guy in the world that calls him Toddy. To this day, I call him, hey, Toddy, Toddy, we're sitting at a table, Mary, you all know Mary can cook, right? Oh my goodness, can she cook? And she, she's just uh, not just cooking, that she's showing off. She brings us some, something, has rice and, and, and all kinds of stuff on it. And, and, and it's a miraculous meal. We're looking at that. You can just tell me and Todd are both looking at this incredible plate in the middle. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him. I said, let me pray. Lord, and I said a little prayer and said, amen. 
And we both dig in. We're just as fast as we can. We're eating as fast as we can. We get to the second plate. We fill it just as fast as we can. We're eating just And there's like, there's enough there for 12 toddies and matties. But we're just shoveling it. And pretty soon, somewhere in the middle of the third plate, we look up at each other and start laughing. We're laughing because we know what we're doing all of a sudden. When we were growing up, we grew up a little bit poor. And mom would set the stuff down the middle. There were five kids. And you didn't get a second plate unless you were fast. So you filled up and then you ate as fast as you could so that you could go in for seconds or thirds or whatever else. You had to go fast in the Freedman family. And there we laughed at each other, recognizing our appetite comes from 2603 Forest or Great Bend, Kansas. And we're still eating like that, and frankly. We're still eating that way today. Uh, go as fast as we can so we can get seconds. Mary says, slow down, Matt. Plenty of food here. Y'all, we all have appetites, and we got to watch out for what we hunger and thirst for. Jesus says in the middle of the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and who thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Thomas Akempis wrote a book called Imitation of Christ. In that book, he says this, Jesus has many who love his kingdom in heaven, but few who bear his cross. Amen? He has many who desire comfort, but few who desire suffering. All desire to rejoice with him, but few are willing to suffer for his sake. Many follow Jesus to the breaking of bread, but few to the drinking of the cup of his passion. Many, many admire his miracles, but few follow him in the humiliation of the cross. He finds many to share his feast, but few his fasting. So this is a suggestion. We need to fast. Because Jesus suggested, in fact, all the scripture suggests it's a great thing to do. Why fasting is important? First off, it humbles us. You recognize, you know, I'm not long for this world without the provision of God through food into my life. It humbles you and recognizes you have to have an outside source even to live another couple of months. By the way, you can live probably 40 days of fasting. Most of us could. It'd take a while. You think, well, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Yeah, you're not, probably not going to die. Uh, some of us, you know, could live again 40 or 50 days fasting. What happens is your body says, hey, freedom, we're dying down here. To which you need to look down and say, shut up. Because you need to control your belly. Your belly doesn't need to control you. So it humbles us. Number two. It helps us to deny ourselves. Jesus says, I want you to deny yourself and take up the cross and follow me. And one of the great things you can do to practice self-denial is to fast. Number three, it turns our attention to God for help. And I can tell you right now, when I fast, Matt Friedemann gets irritated, like really easily. I don't know if anybody does this too. You're fasting and all of a sudden you just get mad at everything. Little things. And in that moment, I've got to tell myself, I'm fasting today. i got to get over this. Get a smile on your face, Matt, because that's one of the admonitions of Jesus. When you do this thing, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen in secret. And your Father who sees in secret, He will reward you. Do it with joy, Matt, not with anger. 
what happens is I've got to have Jesus come into my life and make me joyful even when I'm feeling irritated. It turns my attention to God in those moments. It says to the Lord, by the way, I feel like my eating is not as important as this concern right now that I'm bringing to you. Now, you all remember this. Wednesdays and Fridays are day spring fast days where we'd like for you to skip at least one meal, if not two. And the reason we're doing this is there's a Supreme Court case right now in front. And it happens to do with our very abortion clinic. But it's before the Supreme Court right now. They're writing up their opinions, probably already written them. But we're still praying that God works mightily so that we no longer have to go out to that abortion clinic there on State Street because it will be closed down this summer. Now, many of us say, I'm pro-life. Yeah, I'm pro-life. Have you ever done anything for the pro-life movement? Have you ever protested? Do you ever work for a CPC? No. So we're giving you something you could do right now, and that is join together with your local church called Dayspring and say, we're denying ourselves food so that we can go straight to Jesus and say, we need a miracle at the Supreme Court of the United States of America that would abolish this horrific law that we know as Roe v. Wade. Jesus. Now that's something you can do. And I think that's one of the re- reasons we fast than this. It's simply biblical. So what can we know about fasting from Scripture? We're going to zoom through a list here. Number one. Fasting was expected at the time of Jesus and long before then. Fasting was done in both Old and New Testaments. Jesus said when he taught in the Sermon on the Mount, and as Patricia read this morning, when you fast, not if. That's a huge word right there. When you fast, he expected that all y'all would do it, that we would regularly fast. Now, the Pharisees fasted on Monday and Thursdays. And I find it interesting in this little... uh, you can look it up on the internet. It's called the Didache. Probably just make for everybody. We want to make a, copies of it just because it's interesting. But it was known as the early discipleship manual of the church. And it was just basically taking everything biblical and saying, all right, remember these things, church. This is how we're going to stay sharp for Jesus. And one of them was, we're going to fast, but we're not going to do it like the Pharisees. I'm thinking, whoa, not going to do it like the Pharisees. What might that mean? They do it twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays. We're not going to be like them. We're going to do it on Wednesdays and Fridays. What was that? What did I just read? What is that? You see, we don't know for sure what that was, but some scholars have suggested that on Monday and Thursdays, those were market days. And so the Pharisees could get in front of people and put on a dour face, like Jesus says, don't do, and they could be seen fasting, and everybody would say, whoa, those guys are really holy. They're fasting. That's what holy people do, and Jesus says, stop it. Don't be like them. Wash your face, anoint your head, so that your fasting may be seen in secret. The Pharisees don't want to do that. You Christians, you Jesus-redeemed people need to do it exactly that way. Fasting was expected. And when the earlier Methodists come along later, they look back at Christian history and said, if it was good enough for the Didache, if it was good enough for the early church, it's good enough for us. And they reinstitute the fast Wednesdays and Fridays. All right? 
So the second thing here is fasting took place when people were in mourning. 2 Samuel 1 says, They mourned and wept and fasted for Saul and his son Jonathan because they had fallen by the sword. And so David and the rest felt badly. Therefore, we will fast. Fasting is a great thing to do when you're in mourning. Fasting took place when a desperate situation needed change. David pleaded with God for his child. Remember this? He committed the sin of Bathsheba, and here comes a child, an out-of-wedlock child. And so when this child comes, the child dies. And what does David do? He does what came natural at that point. He says, let me go into a fast. David fasted and went to his house and spent the nights lying on the ground in 2 Samuel 12. Also, it was interesting that at the time of Esther, the king wanted to wipe out, or said he was going to wipe out all the Jews of the nation. And it says here that in every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there came a great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and waiting. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Why? That's what you do in a desperate situation. I'm crying out to you, God. And one of the ways I'm crying is by not eating for two or three days. This. Fasting took place when God's protection or action was desired. It says in 1 Kings 21, when Ahab heard these words, Ahab, 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 even Ahab, a lousy king, knew this. I'm going to tear my clothes, I'm going to put on sackcloth, and I'm going to fast because it's obvious. Even for a horrible king, it's obvious that's what you do when you want God to move in. Ezra, remember Ezra? Ezra rebuilds the temple with all the people of God. And it says here in Ezra, there by the canal I proclaim to fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all of our possessions. Fasting took place when our heart was broken over the things that break God's heart. The next book after Ezra is Nehemiah. Nehemiah looks at the city walls and they are crumbled and it breaks his heart heart. He knows there's no way you're going to have a temple that continues to stand. You're going to have a city of God that continues to stand if you don't have some walls. And so what it says here is, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Fasting took place when people wanted to confess their sins. Nehemiah 9, on the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and having dust on their heads. Fasting took place on special holidays. I've always thought this is interesting because I always thought holidays is when you filled the plate extra high. Some days are exactly like that, and God says so. He says, listen, on this day, you can read about in Leviticus 23. On these days, I want you to eat like crazy. In Deuteronomy 14, he teaches about the tithe. And one of the ways he teaches is to say, hey, on this day, I want you to bring your tithe money, and we're going to exchange it for, for, for good meat and strong drink, and we're going to have a party. Whew. How about that for a tithe teaching? Whole point here being saying, that's one of the things we do when we party is we eat high. But sometimes when we have a special holiday like the Day of Atonement, like Purim, remember that was the Esther thing? When we look back and see what God did to preserve his people, he says, we're just going to, in thankfulness, say, I'm going to stop eating and just praise you and thank you. 
Fasting was meant to get people to look outward towards the poor. In Isaiah 58, they were fasting, but they didn't care for the poor. And so God says in Isaiah 58, is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. I want you to be a fasting people because there's things out in a hurting world that I need you to be about. Fasting took place when people needed to return to God and need God's favor, a special revelation. In Joel 2, remember him as one of the so-called minor prophets? Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. In Daniel 9, so I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and in ashes. If you need a special revelation for God, if you need his special touch, fasting is one of the tremendous ways that that could happen in your life. Then this, fasting took place before a great burst of spiritual energy. Oh, uh, we say, I want him to bring his revival. And many of us, many of us have prayed long and hard for revival. Have you ever thought about Fasting as well, because when this burst of spiritual energy comes, it frequently comes because of fasting. The fast of Jesus before his public ministry, he gets done with the fast, and my goodness, there his teaching career goes. And then in Acts 13, you're thinking, okay, let's go get Saul, who we would know as Paul. Let's go get Saul, Paul, and let's bring him, and let's pray over him. Let's put our hands on him, and let's send him off. But this is how the passage goes in Acts 13. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Before you send people out, maybe it's a great idea to fast before you do it. Why? Because this incredible burst of spiritual energy has an opportunity to come through because of your obedience to the point of fasting. And then we need to put some folks under orders here. That's called ordination. We want to to be under orders. Anybody here want to be under orders? No, I want to see every hand go up right now. Everybody, anybody here want to be under orders? That's the whole point of ministry. God's going to put us under orders. That doesn't have to be official Church of the Nazarene orders. But everybody, Tertullian said this, when you get baptized, when you go down to the water, that is the ordination of the believer. That means no longer are you in charge of your life I am in charge of your life, and I'll tell you where to go, what to do, what to give. We all probably ought to talk about that a little bit more at baptism times these days, huh? It's not, hey, you get a ticket for heaven. You get a ticket for whatever I want you to have a ticket for, including suffering, if I so desire. He has us under his orders. Well, it says this, when they put the church leaders in ordination, they fasted. And Barnabas and Paul, fast, uh, Bar- Paul and Barnabas fasted at the selection of the first elders for the new churches that they had planted. Now, this is what I'd like everybody here to do, is to consider what a fast means for you. I'd love to see everybody here fast. Fast from something. I think the first and primary thing the Bible instructs us to fast from is food. And so there's a number of things we could do. One is a partial fast. So I'm going to only going to eat fruits and vegetables for the next, say, 40 days. By the way, if you do that, fruits and vegetables, uh, you're going to be 
way healthy. You might not ever want to go back. In fact, I'm going to tell you real quick, I turned vegan after I did that. Did it one time at the church. Hey, pastor's going on a Daniel fast. Let's do it together. And I did it. I thought, man, that worked. I feel good now. Why would I want to go back to meat now? Well, because I'm a man. Men eat meat. Yeah, but my heart's you know, likely to be diseased. Said that doctor back at KU. Maybe that'd be a good thing for me to do. Like, keep doing. I'm going to tell you here, there's something powerful about a Daniel fast. Fruits and vegetables, water, obviously, and that's all I'm going to do here for the next several days. That's a Daniel fast. Not a bad way to do it. Uh, or you could do just a whole fast, which is only water. And so you say, I'm going to drink some water, and uh, I'm going to do it across the next several days of my life. Or what we do here at Dayspring is say, like the early Methodists, like the early church, on Wednesdays and Fridays, we're going to skip at least one meal, if not two, to say no to our appetite, to say yes to hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And God says that's great practice of self-denial. Watch to see what I'll start doing in life. Now, I believe this about fasting. I think too many of us want to obey Jesus today for what he'll do in our life tomorrow. I would watch out for that. I want to obey Jesus regularly to find out what he does regularly through that kind of obedience. In other words, you can be uh, what Piper calls an adrenal Christian. I'm thinking what the, uh, what the other thing is. An adrenal Christian or a... Yeah, a thump, thump, a heart Christian. Adrenal Christian is, hey, I do something with a rush of energy and say, woo, I just fasted now. God, bring it. Wait a minute, nothing's coming. Well, that didn't work. That's an adrenal Christian. And listen, adrenaline can really help you sometimes, right? Everybody agree? Adrenaline can really help you. If your kid's underneath that tire and you've got to pick up the Volkswagen, just about every one of you could do it if it's your kid. Whoa. And you go over there and you lift it up and you think, I'm not sure I could ever do that again. No, you probably couldn't because you had adrenaline sent from Almighty God into your system to help you do that thing, whatever that thing was. Pretty cool. I like adrenaline, but you can't live on it. And so I like the thump, 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 thump. That's regular. That's what gets you going. So do something good for your heart. And fasting is one of those good things. In fact, I was, uh, I, was leaving. I was leaving here last time we talked about fasting. I don't know when that was, a couple years ago. I was leaving here, and someone came up to me and said, Hey, did you know that uh, this is a thing now? And he talked to me about two things. Intermittent fasting, which is seen as an exceedingly healthy thing to do. Eat only once a day. Or eat, you know, every five days couple meals, you know, just intermittently eat. And they're saying, by the science, it's a really good way and good for your heart and good for your health. They said, the other thing that's kind of interesting, go look this up, Stephanie, and I did. I went right to my computer and typed it in. That a lot of people in Silicon Valley are not eating for five days in a row because they're finding out sometime between the third and the fifth day, their brain works with incredible creativity. When they don't have food, I don't know. I don't know what it'd be. Food sucking the blood to work down here instead of work up here. I don't know if that's what it is or what. I have no idea. I'm not a scientist. All I know is that Silicon Valley has basically determined guys that work at Apple and, and the rest of them find out that, hey, when we don't eat for a while, man, our brains turn on. 
All I'm telling you is, you think this is crazy. That can't be healthy. Mama told me. Mama told me I needed three squares a day or I'm likely to die. It just isn't true, y'all. I'm, I'm, I love your mama. I do. Okay. But that's just not true. And so I would suggest to you that a partial fast is a great thing, but a whole fast for limited time. And again, at day spring, what we suggest is at least one meal and two would be preferred on Wednesdays and Fridays. And what we're asking him for is a favorable outcome of this Supreme Court trial. And I would add in two or three things that you would like to bother God about. Is it bother God? Is that how we talk about prayer here? Yep. Because that's how Jesus talks about prayer when he tells the parable. That woman kept bothering God. And she finally got what she wanted. Why? Because the guy, the unjust judge says, Hey, I'll give her what she wants. She keeps bothering me. I'm tired of it. And Jesus told that about prayer. So I don't know. I'm just going with Jesus on this. Bother him. And I'm going to tell you what will help him hear your bother. Fasting. Fasting. Now, there is a partial fast, a whole fast, and then there's a radical fast. And I'm not going to say do this, but I've done it for a couple days before, and that's no food, no water. And God might instruct you to go radical for two or three days and say no food or water. Again, I don't think anybody here that's a medical professional would say that's a smart idea. But sometimes God actually do dumb things. And I would suggest to you that fasting is no dumb thing. Fasting is one of the best possible things you could do for your spiritual life and for the outcome of your spiritual life. There's a world out there that needs you to fast. There's a family of yours that needs you to fast. There's a church of yours. Oh, I don't know. You might be sitting in that church today that needs you to fast. How do you get started? Simply this. Don't do it if you're diabetic. Don't do it if you're pregnant. Don't do it if you have a serious heart condition. However, I would start, if I were you and all those things clear, I would start with a fixed day and one meal. Then I'd move to two. Then I'd move to multiple days. Uh, You can use fruit juices at first and then wean yourself off of even them. Just get started one way or another. And and, and to skip one meal is a great way to get started. And then, of course, what we would suggest is, know this, your body's going to groan. And your body will try to make you weak. Your stomach will start doing that sound. And some of us want to eat just because that embarrassing sound. What was that? No, nothing. Just something. I don't know. You're, you're, it starts groaning. It starts, it starts giving you pains. Because you've given it three meals a day for the last 40 years of your life, of course it's going to say, hey, we're down here now. And you need to just say, I know you're down there, but we're on a new program now. It's called fasting. And it'll gurgle again. Whoa. You just need to talk to your belly. I think you need to tell your belly, chill. All right? And I think it's very important that you don't let your stomach control you. You control your stomach. Remember your soul is to rule your body, not your appetites. Unless your appetite is hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Always check your motive. Increased prayer and time of the word always goes along with fasting. When I was in, I told you about the discipleship group I was in when I was in seminary. Uh, we had something we did every week. We'd say, how was your prayer life this week? And we'd check, and we're supposed to put in so much time. 
and we'd put in time. And so what I would love to do during that time, I'll just go ahead and tell you, you're a, you're a professor, <laughs> you're a professor, you're pastor was a full orb Pharisee in seminary, just the whole nine yards. So I'd love to go to those meetings and say, I had a good week. I got two hours in prayer. Hour and 40 minutes was the standard. I love to tell them, I got two hours every day this week. And I fasted for three days. I didn't just memorize three verses. I memorized the whole chapter. I just love going there and showing them up. That's a great definition for Pharisee. That's a great definition for your setup for hypocrisy. That's a great way to damage you and the people around you if you're not careful, which is why Jesus is so harsh on the Pharisees. Don't be a Pharisee about it. Jesus tells you very clearly in a very few sentences how to do this thing. And when, not if, when you fast, anoint your head. And wash your face, so that your fasting may be... And that means, do it with joy. Wash your face. Woo! And they don't even know why. Why are you so happy on Wednesdays and Fridays? I don't get it. And you ain't going to tell them. You're just going to say, woo, I don't know, just feel good. I get to spend a little extra time in prayer on Wednesdays and Fridays. I won't tell you why. I just like to spend more time with Jesus. And woo! He says, anoint your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen in secret. Then I like this line. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. I don't know. I don't have to be rewarded for everything I do for Jesus, but I like to be if I can be. And he says it straight up. You will be rewarded. Not in an adrenal way, but in a thump, thump kind of way, you will be rewarded. And so the last thing I would suggest to you is simply this. Scripture promises... If you do it biblically, good things, really good things are going to happen. Now, this is what I will say to you. Most of us don't do it. In fact, someone asked me, you say Wednesday for Friday at church, Matt, how many people do you think actually do it? I said, I bet 10%. I would love to see 50% do it. I would love to see 100% do it, but let's just say our goal is 50% of us to do Wednesdays and Fridays fasting. And we're going straight to God, and we're going to plead for God for any number of things, not the least of which is this Roe v. Wade decision, but also anything he's putting on your heart to bother him with, that becomes a thing. So this is what we do at Dayspring. Come Lent, and Lent is coming. It's like top of next month. And Lent is the 40 days minus Sunday before Easter. And the church has always traditionally used this for things like fasting. So I'm going to ask you to come along with me and say, let's make that fasting. And you're going to have to decide what kind of fast we're talking about. You want to do a partial fast, a Daniel fast. You want to do a, a water-only fast. And some of you say, I can't do any of those. Medical condition. All right. Why don't you fast from technology about two days a week? Don't look at a TV. Leave your iPhone at home. Don't turn on the radio. <laughs> That's going to do you some good. I can, can I just tell you? That'll do you spiritual life some good. And by the way, every kid here, every teenager here could do the same thing, and it'd do you some, it'd, be, it'd just be great benefit to you. So you could do that. 
Or you could say, I love what, they went out to Antony one time in the desert. Antony was a desert father. He was kind of the the lead of the desert fathers, the the big man, the big kahuna. And they went out to him and says, hey, Antony, uh, I've done everything I know to do. I live out here in the desert now, doing life just like you do it. What do I need to do now? What's the next step? He said, flee. Flee? Flee? What do you want me to flee from, man? Flee? We left the city to come out here to the desert to be with you, Anthony. What else could we possibly flee? He says, flee this. How cool would it be if you didn't talk for two days out of the week? I'd say, you know, bring on the food fasting. I, don't, I got diabetes, but I'll go ahead and die of that. I mean, don't, don't make me quit talking. Bill Bright said this about fasting. It's the atomic bomb of prayer. You can pray, but if you want to add energy to your prayer life, if you want to add energy to your bothering God, if you want to go to the next level of your spiritual life, fast and pray. And let's see what God does. So this is going to happen. In a couple of weeks, you're going to get a little insert. And I'm going to ask you, it won't be for me, I'm not asking you to turn it in, just for you. Put it in your Bible, put it on your uh, refrigerator, and just say, this is the fast I choose over the next 40 days. And I'm going to go to God in prayer, in a special way with fasting and prayer, and say, God, these are the things I want to come to you about. And I anticipate bothering you profoundly better than I've ever bothered you before for kingdom purposes. Jesus, I don't know why you included it in the Sermon on the Mount, but you did. You talked about giving. You talked about prayer. You talked about fasting. So Jesus, help us to pay attention to the third one of those. And help us, some of us, be gutsy enough to say, I'll do it. No matter how much my stomach complains, I'll do it. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you, Day Spring. Thank you.